With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Exclude sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. Live from Southern California, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for a new episode of King's of the podcast brought to you by mayorsmanner.com and the fourth period introducing your host born and raised in the city of angels the mayor john hovan and originally from the bronx now hailing from encino it's db dennis bernstein Buckle up, here we go! That's right, DB, Kings of the Podcast, Episode 5. We are back live from Staples Center once again. How you doing, DB? I'm doing great, Jay. Um, after a 3 nothing Kings victory, a uh, lot to talk about, Jay. Um, some difficult cutdowns maybe on this team, but... Uh, and a special guest. Do you want to hold off on the special guest, or do you want to intro him right now? Let's do it right now. Sitting off here to our left, we'll bring him in during the second period. Earl Skakel, of course, you guys know him from Kings of... Excuse me, not from Kings of the... <laughs> that's our podcast, DB. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from Inappropriate Earl. Uh, you've been on the show. I've been on the show. We'll get into that. And yep. uh, Earl, you want to give a quick shout-out to everybody before we get going here? Shout-out to all Boko Imama fans. <laughs> uh, and if you follow Earl on Twitter or Instagram or any of your uh, social media platforms, you know that we're going to be asking him about Boko imama later tonight but db let's jump right into it the first yep. period and get through some some headline topics uh first of all take a look down there at center ice have you noticed that the kings have altered their logo just a little bit no i didn't john so if you if you take a look i i mentioned this last year but a lot of people just didn't pick up on it or didn't care i'm not sure but when they introduced the um the new silver jersey the third jersey right they did a little cleanup work around the outer edges of the logo really that, from what i understand in talking with some people in management it was a spin-off of what they did during the 50th anniversary jersey so if you look there's now a thicker black outline because if you go back and okay. look at previous versions the logo the home plate logo was almost like two separate logos there okay. was the rectangle part and the triangle part. Got it. And then now they've sort of outlined it, if you will, with the silver and black lining to make it all one logo. Well, hopefully um, there won't be any sirens. We won't <laughs> go too long when they lower the Staples Center Jumbotron tonight. But uh, that's yeah. an interesting call out, John. Well, that's why I wanted to get to it early in the show, DB, so that if, if, the, if the, uh, the scoreboard is lowered <laughs> in the middle of the show, I would say look at the logo and you wouldn't be able to look at it. So... It's timing, D. What show prep we do on the, for this for the fans? I mean, we really prep hard. So I want to make sure that we hit all the notes that are related to the organization. That's true. That's, that's so. Good point. Yeah. Let's go from down on the ice up into the management suite. There's a new uh, face. Well, yes. actually, it's a returning face, right? In, in Ron Hextall returning to the organization. Now, of course, we we dealt with him back when he was the assistant general manager under Dean Lombardi, and I just wanted to get some opening thoughts from you, Dennis, on what it means to have Hextall return to the Kings organization, the timing of it, his role, and um, any other thoughts you might have. Ancient Dean Lombardi saying, there's no salary cap on management. 
That's true. So, um, look, another, another another pair of trusted eyes that Rob Blake trusts, a guy who's been around the league. Who, And if you look at Philadelphia right now, you look at the prospects they have in the pipeline, Yeah, I know it was fired there, but he did a pretty good job finding talent. So I think it's just another set of eyes and, and ears and probably another sounding board for Rob Blake. So I don't know how it can be a bad move. I, I assume it's going to be – Situation where Ron's going to jet in once in a while and come in and and give his opinion on things, and I just think that it's a uh, it's certainly decision by committee here. Look, Rob breaks all ties with respect to the decisions, but I, I can't see how it hurts uh, a guy who's been in the game recently, um, who's been a general manager recently. So uh, I'm wondering if it's going to be a situation like Jack Ferreira was, or it's going to be a little bit more depthful than that. Yeah, Jack was a longtime uh, consultant or, or assistant too. to oh. yeah, been around forever in the game of hockey to Dean Lombardi. I think there's also some some interesting sort of line back and forth between Hextall and Blake and and Lombardi if you just go back to what was happening in LA how Blake ends up as the assistant general manager when when Hextall leaves and Hextall becomes the GM in Philly yep. and then Lombardi ends up working for Hextall <laughs> and then now Hextall's back working for Blake I mean this is like a weird six degrees of separation <laughs> Kevin Bacon absolutely. thing absolutely there, there's a lot of uh, symbiosis here between the uh, between all these guys but they trust each other it's a simple matter of trust who do you trust with respect to um, uh, eyeing talent that you always need in your pipeline. Well, and I think one of the other interesting aspects of this, DB, is that Hextall was hands-on and really actively involved in the prospects and the younger yes. players Agreed. under the Lombardi era. Yeah. And so he was th- there firsthand, um, you know, as they were combing yeah. the leagues and looking for talent and establishing and which guys they liked and, and that sort of thing. And when you look at this uh, LA Kings team now who is going through this, this evolution yeah. of more young players and turning the roster over... Wow, what, a, what an awesome set of eyes, as you said, and, and a trusted voice to bring back to the organization and sort of add to the conversation. Yeah, it's a sweet spot for them right now. And they, they're, and again, we talked about it even earlier, sort of like one more draft. I, I think that where Ronnie's going to probably come in to really, really be impactful would be once the season's over and they start looking and combing the fields for what they need to select in the, uh, in the draft up in uh, Montreal. Yeah, for sure. It doesn't, it doesn't help to have a trusted set of eyes. Um, to the L.A. bench, just an uh, interesting story, D.B. We had an article up on Mayor's Manor recently talking about Andre Kopitar and the fact that uh, Jared Anderson Dolan yes. <laughs> is his, um, is his uh, what is he? He's not his roommate, so he would be his, um, he's his landlord, I guess, essentially. He's his landlord, yeah. exactly. He's his landlord. <laughs> Struggled for the word there. It's but, like a billet situation. I'm not sure how much rent uh, yeah. JAD's paying there, but uh, yeah, Kopi's got that two-bedroom uh, guest house in, on his uh, property in Manhattan uh, Beach. I've been to Kopi's house. What a magnificent house. Oh my. It, it's it's a house for a $10 million player, but there's a nice little two-bedroom house on um, there that uh, JAD's going to be able to live in. Well, it's a good thing that he's that he's living in the guest house because assuming <laughs> that Jod starts the year in Ontario, what a bummer for Kopi uh, and his wife and his kids if, you know, um, it's a night off for the Kings, but the rain have a game, and then here he comes barreling in the door at 2 in the morning, you know, tired from playing a game and wakes everybody up, but that's not going to be a problem. Yeah, it's but, not going to be an issue for Mr. No. Kopi. No. <laughs> and, and from what we understand, he has no chance of getting into the none. main house. None. So, none. He could score so 25 goals good. this year. Yeah. He's stuck in that guest house. That's the situation. Yeah, so he's good. So one of the things that... Um, I found interesting about this, though, is I was explaining this to somebody the other day, how this is sort of a time-honored tradition in the world of hockey, but it's not its not like every young player gets to live with another player. No. It's, it's really, you know, 
it's hand-selected. You know, yes, you, you look at Cam Fowler and the situation down right. there, and, of course, one of the more famous ones would have been Sid living with Mario. Well, right. I, he might still live there. Does Sid still live with Mario? Do we know? Has he ever moved out? <laughs> I think Sid's moved out. Are you I'm sure? Not sure. No, I'm not As of a couple sure. years ago, I'm pretty sure yeah, he still lived he's there. He's been making $8.7 million for a while. I think he can afford his own house. It wasn't in the Fordis. He, he was, he, he's not he married. It. Yeah, he had nowhere to go, and he loved Mario's kids. So. He can always drive over from his house, John. He doesn't have to live there, necessarily. <laughs> Kopi um, said the other day that, that Jod is the one who has to play hockey with the kids when the kids want to play hockey. Yes. So Kopi might like having him around more than he was expecting. You yeah, know, he, he's trying to be nice by inviting him over. But he has chores. I don't think he yeah. gets to walk Gustel, but I think he does have to play hockey with the kids. Yeah. Do you think that Kopi was being straight with us when he said that he doesn't let him walk Gustel? Now, I know Gustel had some surgery yeah. over the summer. You know, it's funny. As an insider, I've met Gustel. Okay. And Gustel's a very particular dog. He's okay. you not know, the most... I wanted to bring my dogs over, Bomber and Sniper, and, and you know, Kopi and his wife said, Ina said, nah, Gustel, you know, he's spoiled. Whoa. That, that's the situation. So. You got shot down. I got shot down. The dogs yeah. had to stay home. Yeah, the dogs had to stay home. Wow. I got to go. The lovely PJ got to go, but yeah. um, the, we got shot down. Did Gustel snuggle up with you? Did you get a... No, a, he no? was little, he little was standoffish. Yeah, he's not a... <laughs> The Kopitar family was much, of, of all the Kopitars, yeah. he was the coldest one of all. Wow. Everybody else was much more welcoming. That's going to be the quote of episode five. Okay, yeah. well, good. Well, uh, we'll see if Kopi ever wants to come on again after you just talked about Oh, no, dog. he'll come on. He'll come um, on. Staying on the King's bench, you know, yeah. we've talked a lot about culture, and um, Kyle Clifford and Dustin Brown are two of the guys that really have carried the culture here for, for more than a decade. Yep. Uh, actually, for Cliff, in Clifford's case, a decade, because he just celebrated 10 years of signing a contract in, in Los Angeles, but basically for the better part of a decade. And I, I, the other day, you and I were joking off air about something funny, and that is when we were in uh, Bakersfield, I saw this law firm. Clifford and Brown. And this right. was in 2012, and I thought it was, oh, it's amazing, Clifford and Brown. Right, right. I took a picture, and I tweeted it and Instagrammed it. You know, and it was a really big deal at the time. Yep. And it's just sort of funny how things have played out that, yeah, Clifford and Brown, they do have, like, this law firm. They, they are the legal custodians of the culture. <laughs> the culture, Here yes. in Los Angeles. Um, but not only did I want to reference that picture, though, DB, I, yeah. we had so much fun with Dave Joseph on our last episode talking about road trips that we've taken yes and so i wanted to talk about this road trip because db i've been leaning on you pretty hard trying to get you to an american league game this year and then i was reminded that actually you went to an echl game that's correct back in 2012 what do you want to share with the listeners about that only road trip because that it was a lockout john and there that's the only way you got me to ECA. we went to the bakersfield game i'm not sure he even but what were your guys the white horse or white cloud or so cliffy was cliffy was playing for uh bakersfield at the time Right. Um, but oh yeah, Colton Yellowhorn. Colton Yellowhorn, that yes. was the guy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> White Cloud is the college kid that the Kings I, I tried to bring. It was 2012. It, it was, was seven years ago. And, <laughs> but it was, and they had, I think they had a teddy bear toss that night nice or something like that. Did it they? Was, I don't recall yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. The Robo Bank Arena. We went. Yeah. We went up. We drove. Uh, and uh, you know, our family owns property up that way in mm -hmm. um, um, in Keene, and so that was part of it. We got to stay at our our ranch house up there, and then it was an easier, much easier drive to Bakersfield. Yeah. But it was, you know, an, an entertaining night, I guess. We had fun. We went to that. To that and end. I've been to the bank. You know, I don't think they call it a bank. No, the I've bank is the is the soccer place. Oh, no, the, wasn't the Ontario place originally called? The no, bank? that's the vault. The vault, but not anymore. It's now the garage. Vault. It's sponsored by Toyota. I lose track, John. So okay. well, pay it's on Mayor's Manor. You, we, we, I know. We, 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 you know, keep you up to We're date. We're partners. On these I don't read every <laughs> single article. I apologize. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Not oh, every oh, single oh, one. Oh, the, oh. the prospects. Oh, I'm all. I'm all in on that top ten and the honorable mention. I'll all in on that. But yeah, I've been to AHL games. My buddy. Scott's for the Islanders, so he came out. Can you come out? I'm like, you want, you want me to drive through Irwindale on a Friday night? I'm like, I don't think so. But I actually 
checked out there for one of the games. That's when Joey Z was the the PR guy. So it was, uh, it was hey, look, it's a really nice building. Earl Love actually Joey asked Z. me about about the building. It's a nice building, and they do well there. And obviously, this team will have a good team this season. Well, in, we're going to get Ontario. into we're going to get into the stacked defense. that's going to be. But yes, Ontario. we have made a road trip together, and that was a lot of fun, actually. It was, and uh, you forgot the 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 what is it that place? We went there for breakfast. That little little quaint uh, Keen Cafe. Keen Cafe. Yeah, yeah we took Country Cafe. Yeah, it was yeah. a nice little place. Population five hundred. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was good times. Exactly. Uh, one of our many travels, DB. It was yeah. not as glamorous as being in New York together, but no. uh, nope. but it was still a good time. It was a very good time. And thank you to PJ for the hospitality at the house. It was it was your, wonderful. your family, John. Whether great. you like it or not, at this point. Man, you're your fa- your Bernstein family. With That's you a like great kitchen at that place, by the way. That, that is like a really big yes. kitchen that you guys have there. But yes. uh, at picture picturesque uh, kitchens don't make for great radio. Let's get back to the Kings. Um, <laughs> King of Kings, the yes, tournament. The I, tournament. I, we're, we're into Where do you the, stand? Uh, we're into the Elite Eight now, DB. And I think this is really where fans are going to start to lose their minds. Um, the voting just wrapped up today in the second round. So listen to these Elite Eight matchups. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Wayne Gretzky versus Jonathan Quick. I'll tell you what, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you these matchups real quickly, and then when Earl comes in during the second period, I'm going to ask for his votes live on the air. Great. Because he's a longtime Kings fan. He knows these guys. Yeah. Next up is Luke versus Blake. I mean, I don't know what's oh, going on. Oh, the management that, class that we talked about yeah, last yeah, week. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, oh. That's going to be a good one. Marcel Dion versus Dustin Brown. Dustin Brown took out Dave Taylor by a wide margin, much wider than I was expecting. Um, and then Drew Doughty versus Andre Kopitar. So the Elite Eight is really the death match round of, uh, of picking. I know, John. Maybe you got to vote for the guy that actually came on the podcast. I might. We'll see. <laughs> wow. We'll see, John. A little lobbying that's going on there. We'll see. All right. Uh, to wrap up the first period here, DB, I want to do um, one of our new segments. This is going to be called yep. uh, th- Goals For and Goals Against. So what I'm looking for here is I'm looking – we're going to each give um, some goals for, which, of course, would be, would be positive. Sure. And then goals against. So we're going to do three total. Um, I'll tell you what. Why don't you start out? Give me – so far in the preseason, we have two games left. What you've seen so far, who would you give a goals for to? Well, can I, can I give a um, – I want to give a, an approach to the game, actually. It's a little bit off the, off the, the page here. Their, their starts in these games have been fast. And we go back to last season, minus 21 goal differential in the first period. You remember, John, last season, a lot of these games, they were out of it in the first period. When I watch this team, we play with tempo and speed and how aggressive they are in the first period – I don't think that's going to happen again. I, I think they're going to have puncher's chance going into the second period. Now, when I look at the blue line, maybe the second period might make, make the difference in games. But I can see Todd's approach to this game is going to be very, very aggressive. Now, new coach, new system you want to impress. I get the players are extra motivated right now, but I love the tempo because this team does not come out sleeping, at least what I've seen in preseason. Hopefully that extends over to um, to the regular season. But I'm very, very impressed with that. So I'm hopefully in the first five to ten minutes – even if they're overmatched from a talent standpoint, their aggressiveness on ice should translate into at least getting into the second half of the first period, you know, and even uh, uneven keel. Okay, so you're like that head football coach in the NFL who tries to give a game ball to the entire defense, and they don't know how to chop it up. So exactly. they're going to give that, that goals for to them. But, hey, there has not been a day game yet in preseason, Dennis. <laughs> That's so true, hold that. You might want to hold that Mary, thought. you got me on that When one. is the first 1 p.m. game? <laughs> There's a 3 p.m. game for uh, the home yeah, opener. 3 p.m. 3 p.m. is like a weird time. It's the and, weirdest time. But here's, what, here's my theory on this, D.B., is that they did it strategically and on purpose because – 12 o'clock games don't work and 1 o'clock games don't work. But if they're trying to get a game played earlier, they know what happens in a 5 o'clock and a 7 o'clock game. So let's try something new this year, 3 p.m. And they're playing a central uh, central time zone team, so it's 5 o'clock. So let's open the screw up their body clock. 
month as well. And they've got to come west in, in the National Predators. So, uh, yeah, I just love the way their approach to the game is uh, from the opening whistle. I think that has a lot to do with the, the new regime and Tom McClellan. All right, so I'm going to take the second goal for, and on this one here, I'm going to give it to Mikey Anderson. Now, I know there are some other bigger-name players on the team that people have been impressed with so far yep. in camp, but they just completed, they being the L.A. Kings, just completed the, some uh, of, of the deeper roster cuts yes. as you get uh, send a lot of players back to the American League to begin the Ontario Rain training camp, and Bjornfoot is still here, and Mikey Anderson is still here. Right. So for Mikey Anderson to still be here... As a first-year pro coming out of college last year, I think it really speaks to what we've been saying Great about son. him over the last couple of years and that this kid is legit and is the real deal. Bjorn yeah. Foote's getting all the headlines. I'm not trying to take anything yes. away from him, but Mikey Anderson has been exactly as delivered. He is a stud and has looked solid. And, and John, to be honest with you, I mean, the, the veterans are impressed with Mikey Anderson. A couple of guys that I texted, when I asked for a, a list of a couple of players that they've been impressed, Mikey Anderson's on the list of, of a couple of players' names. So they, they've really opened a lot of eyes. And, and again, I think the players, when you watch the motivation and you watch the, the, the try that they have at this point in time, it's because they say, okay, the kids behind us coming are legit players, and they certainly are. And beyond foot, uh, of course. John, he's this close to making the team. I mean, he yeah. may not. He's 18 years old. I get it. Maybe go back to uh, you know to Sweden to grow a little bit um, and, and have less pressure. But he he looks so comfortable out there. But I agree with you, Mikey Anderson. He's impressed the veterans on this team. Yeah, I'm going to get to uh, the Bjornfoot contract situation and how that might play into roster decisions in in the third period sure. tonight. Um, so that was my second goal for. How about you? You you can end this segment the on the goals for side. Give me one more goal for in the uh, preseason here so far. John the Lizard, Blake Lazat. <laughs> Got to be. That's what you're going with. That's what people are calling him, the oh, lizard. That, yeah, okay. that's the that's okay. the nickname now. So, okay. Look, and he's like a little lizard out there. Great setup to Jeff Carter, and I've been begging for three years to put Jeff Carter on right wing. Finally, Re- Jeff, give him. Don't take away the responsibility of being in the middle and playing defense. Let him go up and down the wing. Let him take that speed if he still has it around and scares uh, opposing defenses, and let him shoot that great wrist shot which he still has. Like that's that's a really good move. You don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it is. To take Jeff Carter out of the middle, not clog it up there, give Kempe the shot, give Jad the shot, give Lazat the shot, I think that that's the, definitely the right way to go. And if Jeff can come and start well and, and get some goals off the wing, one of two things happens. He either solidifies the spot here, which I don't think happens, or he raises his trade value. But I think that Lazat, to me, has, like again, has energized this team. I think that's a re- recurring thing, I think, with us, John, with how badly last season ended. Like, to see the energy and the try and um, the youthful I- impact that this team has had now with these young kids coming in, they've energized the veterans. Even a guy like Jeff Carter. I mean, he's a great setup. So, for me, my third goal for is uh, the lizard, Blake Lizard. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point, DB, and you, and you talk about how the, the veterans are feeding off of the young players. This is really the first time that a lot of the players, the veteran players privately – I would say, are talking about how good the next wave of players are. Like, they're always respectful, and they hope that those kids... But I've never heard them talking like they're talking right now about these younger players. They are genuinely giddy about how good these kids are. unsolicited. They don't have to be prodded to say, oh, this kid's good, or he has potential. Like, they see legitimate talent on the ice with them, which is, again... I'm not sure the pone total is going to be much different than last season, but it's going to be a different type of pone total because you're going to see the, this the, the injection of youth on this uh, roster at some point. Okay, we're wrapping up here then uh, I, on the goals against side DB. Um, I'm going to I'll kick this one off. 
Goals against, I have to go with Nikolai Prokorkin. Now, again, yeah. like with the Mikey Anderson thing, there are plenty of other bigger names out there that I'm sure you'll want to give a goals against to. But I'm going to go with Prokorkin because of this simple point alone. The kid was drafted in 2012. We've Agreed. been waiting forever for him to come over to North America. Right. It, I mean, for people that don't know the backstory, shameless plug, read it on mayorsmanor.com. But there were lawsuits uh, threatened going back and forth. The kid came over, played a dozen games. The KHL produced a contract. They said that, nope, you can't have him. He really belongs here. There was uh, just, it was a lot of craziness. Yep. more so than the normal Russian factor, so to say. The kid finally comes over here. Um, he's won a gold medal. He's won a championship. You expected him to come over, and really, you talk about playing Crush center. It. Right. Man, he, he, he should be playing better than Blake Lazat. He should be the one that's out there yep. chomping at the bit to potentially unseat Adrian Kempe as the 2C, and this guy has not shown anything from an offensive perspective, and some nights you don't even notice him when he is in the lineup. I just have to go goals against at this point. I thought we would see more at this point. And I agree with you, John. On the first day of uh, – somebody's going to bite me on Twitter in a couple of weeks because I said – first day I saw him fill the net at scrimmages, first day at camp. And he hasn't done much since. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's you. And I agree with you. He, that's the guy that needs to seize the moment because of all the, all the talk and all the anticipation. He should be out front, and he really isn't. So, I couldn't agree with you more. Now, he does uh, not require waivers. So, he can go down to Ontario. But I'll just say yeah, this to you. Big butt there, as, Yeah, as I reported over the summer, his contract does include a European transfer clause. So, um, assignment clause, excuse me. So, I would expect that if he doesn't make the team out of camp, it's a big if, but if he doesn't make the team out of camp, I expect him to go back to the KHL and make good money over there mm -hmm. rather than go take buses in the uh, American League to go to Stockton. Maybe a short visit in the American League. Maybe you could talk him into it, but yeah. more than likely, I think he goes back to the KHL. Yeah, agreed. Um, Give me a goals against. Number 73. Yeah. It just, it, you know, he's down on the bottom six at this point in time. And if you had a player like that who's productive on the bottom six, right? It just, it's not happening. He's not having chemistry with any players. And, John, you mentioned that the comments that he made coming into camp and about, you know, how he's working out, and he said he did Pilates. It just, it doesn't appear like a player who you would think would, would live and die to stay in Los Angeles um, hasn't produced, It doesn't hasn't had any chemistry with anybody. So my question is, like, who does he play with? Maybe it's Kempe, maybe it's... I, Anderson, I, I don't really know at this point in time where he fits on this, this depth chart. It, it's, it's a dangerous situation. And, John, even today, and I didn't tweet it, but, you know, there are scouts here. There are mm -hmm. eight or nine scouts here tonight. Yeah. And I, I just I, I don't know what this guy's thinking at this point in time. Maybe maybe it's a light switch situation going in that he knows he's playing for a contract opening night and at Edmonton he lights it up, gets a couple of goals. But just through this preseason, it hasn't looked good with respect to Tavoli. And uh, final closing out on here to Foley, I just want to tell you, downstairs, Todd McClellan was saying that he thought to Foley has gotten better every game during preseason and that tonight was his best performance. Um, and he said, look, everybody wants him to come down the wing, score 40 goals, but right. that's tough to do in the league. Yeah, it's tough to do, but that is, Todd, that is what you expect from Tyler <laughs> Tavoli, and you need him in a top-six role in order to be able to do that. Tyler Tavoli is not a bottom-six player. This is the last minute of play in the period. Well, Dave Joseph chiming in, telling us there's only one minute left, so you yeah. get the final goal against, and that's the end of the first period. Adrian Kempe. Wow. Okay, <laughs> so Adrian Kempe, what have you not liked about his game? Um, I, I just don't see enough. I made a steak dinner bet tonight he wouldn't score 20 goals. So I'll tell you, I I, I want to see. This is your 2C, John. I'll, right? I'll take that bet. Okay, you'll take that bet I'll too? That okay, bet. fine. Yeah. So you're 20 goals from Adrian right. Kempe? So, so you you're going to say 20 goals. 20 goals from 28 points last season. Well, you better okay. get 20 goals. Well, <laughs> No, you're you not better. You can't get 14 goals out of your second-line center. I know, John. Well, maybe he's not going to be the second-line center. Well, if he's on the third line, he still needs to score. Exactly. So, um, I just, John, it's just, I don't just see enough offensive prowess. And I know 
going back to when you were touting him that he he's not the most offensively gifted, but but he's got if he's going to be in that spot, he's got to he's got to show more to me. And he just I don't see the creativity there. I mean, there's going to be a lot of heavy lifting by his wingers to get to get work done, and maybe it's Carter and Kovalchuk. I don't think it's going to be Blake Lazard as the two C opening night, right? So no. it's good. There's going to be opportunity here. If Carter's going to go up and down the wing, and Kovalchuk can can find some structure in the system. Maybe they can do it, but I, I just. It's just I don't have the confidence you would do that. This guy is ultimately the 2C that this team needs going forward. Yeah. I hear you. Well, that's the end of the first period, TV. Second period underway, and here we go. Back with our guest this week, Earl Skakel from Inappropriate Earl. Earl, welcome to Kings of the Podcast. There's a lot of pressure right now because Dave Joseph is also hulking over me like a vulture. Yeah. So I'm scared. Well, Earl, let me just say Don't be scared. Inappropriate Earl. Come on. Earl, we had you on Kings of the Roundtable over the last couple of summers, which was a lot of fun. Yes. And so you're the first Kings of the Roundtable uh, um, guest that is alumni. Now, alumni, thank yes. you. That is now joining the kings of the podcast. So welcome. We're happy to have you, Earl. Well, I'm happy we didn't do another uh, photo shoot with the kings of the roundtable because that looked like an Amber Alert lineup. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a great poster myself. It's yeah. a great poster. Now, for Earl, yeah. Earl, for those that don't know you, uh, first of all, what the hell's wrong with those people? Because you're you're very funny, um, inappropriate, you. Earl. You have your own podcast. You give us all your credits, Earl. Come on, run them down. I mean, this will take an hour, but... Go ahead. Uh, we got well, time. We have jellies. I have the jellies where I'm the only white guy on an all-African-American uh, cartoon. <laughs> uh, it's by Tyler, the creator. I have an inappropriate old podcast. I was uh, on I'm Dying Up Here, which was uh, about 70s stand-up comedy. On Showtime. On Showtime yeah. Jellies is... Where, where do you see jellies? Jellies is on mm. Adult Swim and okay. uh, Sunday nights. And uh, a lot of people know me from the Comedy Central show Roast Battle. <laughs> which is classic. Uh, it's, I don't know how that shows around in this era, <laughs> but uh, it's a lot of people getting in trouble for stuff they say on podcasts. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, that's about it, I guess. All right. Well, and Earl, um, what you just you continue to crack me up on Instagram because you're, you're always pushing the envelope as well as on Twitter. Um, I loved one of your recent posts, which was the one that said it was with you with Alice Cooper and you you paid five hundred dollars to meet Alice Cooper. Well, it was the most expensive evening I've ever had. I was dating a, uh, let's just say, a younger lady, legally. and uh, <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Well, I mean, I tell you. I mean, Cancel culture. You don't know. Uh, exactly. Okay. 17 will get you 15. Um, so I, um, I wanted to impress this girl. It was Miley Cruz's last concert. Alice Cooper was uh, opening, and I know Nita Strauss, the guitar player. So, uh, so that was here at Staples. No, that was, you know, it was their second to last. Uh, okay. Because this was at the pond. Oh, okay. Okay. Honda Center. Honda, yep. or whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the Ponda. Ponda. The Ponda. Exactly. Where the ducks play. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, so for, uh, we sat front row and $1,500 a ticket. Wow. Uh, well Oof. worth it. Thank you, Tyler, the creator, for your checks <laughs> not bouncing. <laughs> and then for an extra 500 each, so for another 1000 they had, you could do a meet and greet with Alice Cooper. So I thought, well, not a lot of people can afford that. So there'll be maybe five, six people there. I'll really look good to this girl. So sure enough, we get back there. There's five people there. <laughs> the only five rich Motley Crue fans. 
And uh, we were the last two in line, and uh, he really enjoyed meeting her because she, even though she was younger, she was an old soul. So she Good. knew all his 70s stuff. Great. That's and great. I, trying to talk to him about the Kane Roberts era. Um, <laughs> so I, I get You didn't impress him as much as she did. No, I, I loved your uh, Constrictor album um, <laughs> when you were trying to sound like Bon Jovi. Anyway, thank you, Desmond Child. Uh, Desmond Child. Oh, so. He goes to shake my hand. I'm like, Mr. Cooper, it's an extreme honor to meet you for 500 bucks. <laughs> that really went over well, right? <laughs> like a lead balloon. I mean, he had to be nice to me because I paid him $500 too. <laughs> so, uh, and he was very nice. You know, he's got to be 70 now. So, sure. Uh, and he put he puts on a great show for a, a man his age. Uh He's an amazing performer. You know, so many of those artists from the 70s really still are amazing performers. They, the ones that have lived. I mean, they, they get it, and they're great. But I, I want to know about the Motley Crue show. Where, which side were you on is important. Were you on Mick's side, or were you on Nikki's side? Well, I was dead center, so oh, okay. I got to uh, basically be right below Vince's gut. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> I think I scored better was than Was it ample? <laughs> it was amazing. I mean, listen, I get it. I'm a performer. There's nights I'm tired and whatnot. But I still, you know, got to perform for people who pay. And, uh, you know, Vince gets out there. The first song, he's huffing and puffing like he just ran an ultra marathon. <laughs> he's already sweating bullets like he's been in a steam room. And I think the first song was Kickstart My Heart. And he's like, oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Earl, the first song is Shout at the Devil. I don't remember what It's a very song important, was. Earl. Not for this story. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he puts the mic over the crowd. I'm like, this is the first song. <laughs> first song. What is this, karaoke at the Ponda Center? <laughs> and then he's like, they finished the first song. He's like, we're going to take it home now. Take it home? <laughs> no, wait. You haven't even left the driveway. Okay, how good did Nikki look, though? Because Nikki, to me, is the reason that everybody should do heroin. Nikki, <laughs> he's almost died multiple times. He looks amazing. For a man of his age. Absolutely. I mean, the only problem I had with Nicky is during his bass solo, which is about three songs in. I the mean, knife? They, when he pulled the knife out? Oh, no. I <laughs> okay. mean, it was when he had like a canister, like a sidecar canister on his bass. Uh -huh. And he starts blowing oh, yeah. fire right over my head. <laughs> oh, it gets worse. Believe me, it gets a lot worse. And then someone from the production team says, hey, this is a good time to drop confetti on the crowd. <laughs> It was like a great white thing. Well, so, oh, oh. Is that too soon? Come yeah, on, let's be too honest. soon. No, oh, okay. Wait till I get to the Neverland documentary. Uh, <laughs> we might not even talk hockey. This, uh, so I got like confetti coming down. This will be the highest rated podcast ever. Oh, it will. I get ratings. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm trying to keep it clean. You okay. are. You've been okay. doing a great job so far. Six but, minutes in. Come on. Uh, so it, and it was a great show. And then Mick Mars and I shared a moment. He has no whites to his eyes anymore. He's just like black circles he just stared at me the whole time i'm like i don't, we shared a moment i don't know if he was staring at you or through you like it he is just scary i don't even know how he moves i felt like pain watching him. Oh, yes and that's what happens when you have three divorces uh, you, <laughs> they, they crank you out there it's, he's like a marionette <laughs> come on real quickly we, uh, we ha we're gonna move on we want to talk hockey with you but since we're on the crew i have to ask did you see the documentary or not the documentary but uh did you see the movie and what did you think of it? I thought it was terrible. I, I did. Too. I thought yeah. I'm a. I know we exchanged a couple texts about it at the time, but I wanted to have you for the listeners. I'm. You might not think this, but I'm a detail freak. So uh, you know, in the first scene, it's literally the first scene. They show the whiskey, and they show the Fast Times at Ridgemont High poster, 
which had not come out for a year. Uh, the next scene, they have uh, Tommy Lee wearing a Hulkamania shirt, which was 84, and I think the time frame was 81. Mm-hmm. So I just, if the, that's something. So you've you, got some continuity issues with the. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's something yeah. uh, you could hire literally an intern for free who'd probably be jazzed to work on a Netflix Motley Crue movie. I, so if you're not getting basic facts right, and uh, the Starwood uh, show uh, wasn't exactly as portrayed in the movie. And uh, the Vince Neal, the, the car crash, uh, where the... They um, glossed over it. Well, they glossed over it, but it was also the wrong car. It was a Corvette in the movie. It was a Pantera in real life. Now, I realize to 18-year-old kids watching this, they're like, oh, who cares? But, like, to I'm 51. I was like, if you're not doing basic fact checks, like, what else did you skip on other than the acting lessons? But also the hype, <laughs> right? Because the, the books of all about the crew have been so good, and you would have expected that the movie, after all these many years, would have been you know, up to the challenge. And to be honest with you, I don't know how they did the movie in the first place. And I'm being serious, uh, you know, in this me too and, and times up, uh, era of, you know, sexual, uh, harassment and all that stuff. I don't know how you can do a movie about an eighties metal band. I mean, those guys, I mean, kiss has a song called Christine 16 winger. Their only hit is, uh, 17. Like that era was, Completely off the rails. What's going on out here? I mean, <laughs> there's some uh. sort of a of a, a military. Um, what are we? Is this the uh, staging ground for the uh, next invasion? <laughs> there's something going on on the ice, so I apologize if you can hear that. But it's uh, okay. Uh, let's move on from Motley Crue. Let's talk hockey. You were tweeting us, Dennis and I, uh, a couple days ago about Boko Imama. You wanted to know why he was, why he's not in the lineup. Um, anybody who follows you knows that you're all about the fighters. You're all about the tough guys. Well, I just, uh, we talk about being a different era. You know, 10 years ago, Boko Imama would be the fourth line winger. But, because uh, he wasn't horrible in juniors. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Kings just have too much skill in, in the league overall outside of uh, Ryan Reeves and, and maybe McDermott if he makes the team. And you remember McDermott's dad, right? I'm so old, I remember Paul McDermott when he would take these 50-foot runs at guys and start a lot of you-know-what. Uh, luckily, the Whalers had uh, the great Ed Kostelik to uh, clean up the slop. <laughs> Did you have his jersey, or do you have his jersey? Cause because uh, you have many, many, many jerseys. Do you have one of his? I do, and I uh, also ha- just got a Hartford Whalers Ed Boxcar Hospital. Hospital. Uh, do you specialize in enforcers jerseys? I'm, I'm trying to get rid of them all now. <laughs> But that was your specialty. That was for a long time. I used to wear hockey jerseys on stage because, in all seriousness, I had tremendous stage fright when I first started. So I thought, well, if I wear a... I thought it was just that you were embarrassed to go out there with that hairdo that you were sporting back then with that (laughs) big fro. My uh, hairdo was kind of a mixture of Barry Beck in 81 and uh, Ron Duguay when he was going... (laughs) No, it was more Oglethorpe from... (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking with that hair or the yellow pants or... I mean, you know... I. I have definitely had some fashion faux pas, but now I'm uh, dressed head to toe in John Barbados leather. Yeah, and you constantly <laughs> mention that too, so I think everybody knows, Earl. Well, I'm trying to get a sponsorship. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. So, you know, John, um, we talked uh, between periods tonight, uh, Earl. And I. Earl's one of the few remaining Ilya Kovalchuk fans left in Los Angeles, correct? And uh, I, I heard you try to get some merchandise, and what happened? Well, I kept going around to every uh, merchandise stand going, do you have an Ilya Kovalchuk jersey? And they looked at me like I was speaking Hindu. (laughs) I mean, I don't understand the hate for this guy. You know, the Kings lost four games to Vegas in the playoffs by one goal each. I think one went into double overtime. Correct. Mm -hmm. Without Drew Doughty. Right. There was really no other options on the free agent market. He was brought in to score goals. 
and he scored 16 goals, third on the team, 16th in playing time. Uh, you know, I, he was he and got uh, jammed up by Willie Desjardins. What a totally. great, what a great coach that guy was. I mean. <laughs> He got rather, lost on his first day at work. Does Willie work into your bit at all? Do you have like a do you have a bit on Willie that you do? Listen, if I'm doing Willie Desjardins <laughs> jokes, I, I haven't made it. Uh, but like you they know, they write themselves though. Well, he was like I really want to know what the problem with he and Kovalchuk was because uh, no offense to Kyle Clifford, I love him. He's a king legend, but he should not be playing more than Kovalchuk. Uh, so I don't know why people are down on Kovalchuk. He, he was brought in to score goals. He did. I, I know he's a hard guy to put with a center because he's more of a rover. You know, I think Kovatar probably felt comfortable with, say, Milan Lucic, who just goes up and down. Kovatar, one shift, he's on the left side. Second shift, he's on the right side. Next shift, he's in the stands. Uh, third shift, he's, he's in Beverly Hills yeah. eating ice cream with the kids on Instagram. Yeah, so exactly. he lives in Beverly Hills. What's wrong with being Nothing rich? wrong with that, especially <laughs> when you practice in El Segundo. Nothing wrong with it. No traffic. I had a guy behind me tonight heckling him. You make $6 million. I'm like, you better come up with some better heckles. Because <laughs> that's not exactly an insult. Guy drives a three hundred thousand dollar car to the game. Exactly. So you're probably working at El Pollo Loco tomorrow. <laughs> now, Earl, um, you recently took part in the Alec Baldwin uh, roast, right? I, I, I wrote, roasting is like your thing. You, you, but you wrote some jokes for. I wrote uh, some jokes for Doctor Ken Jong. Okay. Uh, who d everyone did great. Uh, Know, and, and That's a very Hollywood thing to say, isn't it, Dennis? Exactly. Everyone did great. Everyone well, they looked did, great. Though. I loved everything. We they saw wore. it. It was it was <laughs> that roast was amazing. So, Earl, how long did the did the actual taping take? The taping took uh, four and a half hours. Was anybody straight by the time it was over? Uh, even Caitlyn Jenner was straight, uh, <laughs> and she had the best joke. I thought, uh, which was she said something to the effect to Blake Griffin, Blake, you can come over to my house anytime. You'll still be the second best athlete. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, but it was great. Uh, I mean, usually on one of those things, someone will bomb. It's just uh, roasting is very hard. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, but everyone did well to varying degrees, and uh, so that was disappointing that nobody bombed. What, <laughs> what's what's the process? Um, like we always get to see the end result of the roast itself, but what's the actual process? So someone calls you, they ask you, you know, hey, can you write some jokes for me? What do, what do you do? What it, like walk us through from first hearing that you're going to be involved in it to like how many jokes do you come up with? Who do you run it by? Like how, how, what's the process? What's well, very uh, you know Dr. Ken and I probably came up with two hundred jokes on the two hundred jokes. Yeah. Really? Wow. Well, we write, I write volume. I'm li I'm like uh, Desmond Child. I'll write fifty songs to get to the one big hit. <laughs> uh -huh. um, but what's that like? So you're just like sitting at a desk at your house, you know, and you're just yeah. literally just writing for a couple hours, just jokes, jokes, jokes. I was the only one who didn't go in. You know, they have a writer's room where you have 20 writers. And uh, I just said, let me, since I'm friends with Dr. Ken, he was a fan of mine from Roast Battle because he likes pro wrestling. You know, he grew up in North Carolina. Uh, so we have a vibe of uh, each other's brains and what we think is funny. But with him, it's it was a little... Uh, hard because you know he's in the number one movie uh crazy rich asians he's on the number one show on tv right now so you know you have to be careful when you're in his position to not offend people mm -hmm. which is the whole point of a roast right that makes it really difficult <laughs> you know no offense to some of the people on the dais but they had nothing to lose <laughs> <laughs> you know uh robert de niro is not going to lose out on any gigs he's right. robert de niro um you know adam carolla is uh, probably second to Joe Rogan in terms of, uh, what 
what are, what are we in the set of Die Hard? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, we're, it's I don't authentic. know what they're doing on the ice tonight. I really don't. It's don't, authentic. What are we at Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza? Uh, so back to Dr. Ken. You write a couple, couple hundred jokes. So we write a couple hundred jokes, and and he he's such a workaholic because he's a doctor. Uh, he. He would be in London filming a movie. He'd go out every night after filming a movie. He'd go to comedy clubs. Uh, he would. He flew here for one night to uh, do a theater in, uh, I think, Louisiana. He did uh, roast jokes there. Goes back to London, does them there. Flew on the day of the roast to come do the roast. Uh, I've never seen someone work so hard in my life like that. It was really awe-inspiring. And what, how, what's the selection process then, too? Because to get down to the final couple jokes you're going to go with. Well, I mean, as you know, like if I was on the dais, I would have said every joke I wrote. Like, <laughs> I have nothing to lose. I mean, no, I, nothing. I, they could kick me off the jellies, which would be uh, not good. Uh, but so, probably not. Well, he, Dr. Ken is so nice. He would be like, well, I really like that joke, but I can't say it like you wrote it. <laughs> so uh, can we get into maybe a softer angle or just not do that joke altogether and come up with something else? He's very, very easy to work for. So it, it's, but you know, someone else, like if I was writing, say for Corolla, who has a little more, uh, I don't give a you know what attitude, mm -hmm. he probably would have done most of the jokes uh, yeah. that I, Dr. Ken said, I, I don't know if I can do that one. Sure. You mentioned that you, the, the pro wrestling connection. Dennis likes pro wrestling. He grew up on pro wrestling. I was well, and, and you were kind enough. You introduced me to the Iron Sheik, which was pretty awesome. That was, uh, back, feels like a decade ago. But unfortunately, I saw you dressed as the Ultimate Warrior that night. Something I never need to see again, Earl. Please keep your shirt on. Well, I looked like the ultimate warrior when he was seven years old. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the, the Iron Sheik is so crazy. Uh, his manager was like, hey, listen, he's he's out of his mind. Why don't you dress up as the warrior and go back there, and he'll think it's him. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, no, he's not that gone. Uh, I mean, you talk about CTE in the world of pro wrestling. Yeah. Uh, these guys are walking around uh, – you know, like Mushmouth from Fat Albert. Uh, <laughs> so I go back there and I say, hey, Mr. Sheik, it's an honor to meet you. And he lunged at me because he really thought I was the warrior. Oh. He wanted to fight me. And I won't say what he said, but right. I think if you've ever heard the Iron Sheik on a, yeah. uh, <laughs> a, an interview. He, or on uh, Twitter, yeah, yeah, exactly. He keeps it real. <laughs> All right, so Earl, we're going to wrap it up. Final question with you. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. But uh, we need to know, you were a big roller hockey guy uh, back in the day, too. Give us, give us your best playing. It could be roller or ice. Your best story about playing hockey here in Southern California, the tournaments and stuff that you would do. And Kings fans, I think, first really knew you from there. Give us your best story from those days. Well, it does. It, I was involved in the game, but uh, there, uh, I play Sundays in Garden Grove. Uh, actually, this league is ball hockey. It's it's in a roller rink, and you're you're running. And uh, Rovatai's been out there. Uh, but Mitch Callahan plays in the league in the summer, and Mitch was drafted by the Detroit Red Wings. I think he's now maybe in the Edmonton organization. But uh, we were playing, and the games get heated. I mean, think. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of older guys in the league, and they're trying to relive their glory years, and there's also a lot of young teenagers. So uh, Mitch, uh, let's just say, got into it with a, a, about a 17-year-old kid, <laughs> and they're pushing and shoving and, you know, F you, F you, and the kid didn't know who Mitch was. And so they get in the penalty box, and the kid's really mouthing off to Mitch, and I just said, dude, you, you don't, you don't want to do this. Mitch is built like a tank, and uh, – Guy pushed Mitch, and Mitch just looks at him and goes, uh, I'm on a plane to Detroit tomorrow, but I'll kick your ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
And the kid was like, try it, buddy. And Mitch just punched him in the cage. I think he broke the kid's face cage. And, like, let's just say the kid was humble very, uh, very fast. There you go. Earl Skakel, ladies and gentlemen. Inappropriate Earl podcast. The Jellies. Roast battle. Just uh, Earl Skakel on Twitter. Um, and every platform an Inappropriate Earl podcast, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's just at Earl Skakel everywhere, and uh, here's to a great year for the Kings. It's uh, I, I'm almost rooting for them to lose because I, this 2020 draft is very good, but it's like they have enough players in their prime or tail end where, you know, they're drafting, they're going to draft in that dead spot of like 50. Oh, that would be tough. So uh, you guys have brought it up many times before where it's like they probably need one more top five pick. Yeah. And that's if Velarde, whether he comes or he doesn't. So it's just like, it's the weirdest uh, feeling I have of almost rooting <laughs> against them. But so how do you sales pitch that to Dowdy and Kovatar? Like, hey, we're going to be bad for one more year. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Long view. Earl, thanks for the time. Appreciate it, bud. Thanks. Anytime you you're welcome. DJ, take us in. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. That's right, our good buddy, one of the Four Horsemen founding members, Dave That's Joseph, right. <laughs> the voice of Staples Center. I, I The other night I said the voice of the L.A. Kings. It, he's the voice of Staples Center or the Kings at Staples Center. Uh, Correct. You know, there's there are many voices of the Kings, although Bob Miller is probably and always will be the voice of the Kings as we sit about 10 chairs away from uh, a giant photo of him hanging on the wall here right. at the press box, the Bob Miller press box here at Staples Center. Who soon will be in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame if have anything to do with it. We're going we're gonna to work on that. Um, Let's start to, in the third period here today, DB. Let's yeah. uh, really get into the Kings roster and get sure. into waivers and, and, and how the roster yeah, composition is going to happen. So, uh, of course, we need to start out, though, with a Jeff Solomon update. An update on Sully's briefcase <laughs> was downstairs uh, after tonight's game. It was. You saw Dubs. it. No. Okay. Uh, no. Jeff Solomon and the briefcase, both MIA. So, I'm, oh. I'm back to working on my theory. Have you noticed that ever since we started talking about the briefcase, when he's around, the briefcase is no longer there. I think he's running from us. I think he's yeah. really fearful that we are going to find out what is inside that briefcase. I think it's hermetically sealed in a vault and bank vault somewhere. We're Probably the seventh and Figueroa. I, well, I'm going to tell you this. I have an inside source, too. His <laughs> son is now working for Alan Walsh, uh, the, the hockey agent. The prominent agent yes. over at Octagon. Yes, exactly. So and maybe it'll be Solomon versus Solomon one day. Ooh, that would be great. That would be good. So, that would yeah, be a I'm, good Kings of Kings matchup. <laughs> oh, hey, you know, speaking of Kings of Kings matchups, that's yeah. coming up. The voting is coming up this week, the Elite Eight DB. So Sully yeah. versus Sully is not happening yet. but uh, Soon. Yeah. Could be soon, John. Sooner soon. than you think. Now, one of the things that could be in the briefcase would be the rules of waiver. <laughs> yes. And uh, the waiver wire is very confusing to many fans. And it how is. does it work? And, and you've done a great job explaining that, John, so please. Well, we try. We try to explain it. So the deal, the easiest way to explain it, I know, I'm going to get lit up on Twitter with all of the exceptions, but just let me try to stay at a high level for, for most fans, yeah. is that if a player is on his entry-level contract, then he can go up and down without needing waivers to, to go down. Right. So if you take a player, um, say like uh, Jared Anderson Dolan, who is still on his entry-level deal, right. if he doesn't make the Kings roster, they can... Ass- what Really, what is going on here again, DB? It's <laughs> like they're, they're, they decided to, to rebuild Staples Center while we're Power here Power through, John. Okay. Let's go. Um, 
If a player is, is like Jared Anderson Dolan, if he does not make the Kings roster, you can send him down to the American League, and you don't yeah. have to put him on waivers. Therefore, right. another team cannot claim him. Correct. A player like Curtis McDermott, who we were talking about earlier, he's off of his entry-level deal. He's yep. now past that point. Right. Where he's he played go, enough games in the NHL. And, 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 right. and played enough NHL games to the point that now, if they want to send him to the American League, they have to put him on waivers, which means that every team in the league has the opportunity to steal him or to claim him right. um, before he goes to Ontario. Correct. And I will tell you that I think that McDermott at this point would get claimed because people have seen enough from him to say, hey, that's a guy that we would like to have in our organization. And I think another team would claim McDermott. Yeah. And that's one of the and reasons. And he might not play, but he might be a 7D yes. or 8D. And, Correct. and it's just, he's a nice insurance policy to have, as Earl was talking about during the second period today. And um, so I think that's one of the reasons that McDermott makes the opening night roster. Does he stay all year? I don't know. Do they try to sneak him through waivers at a different point? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I think that he does take up a roster spot. And So you, you see him on the roster opening night? I do. Mm -hmm. And I just want to talk about the defense, uh, DB, because yeah. there have been a lot of tweets about this. The Kings just have too many defensemen. And player, people are asking, like, hey, Roland McEwen is available from Carolina. I the, saw the, that today. The kid that they, that they traded away, you know, would, would they claim him back? No, they're not going to claim him because they don't have room for him. Just look at these names here that are still in camp on the NHL side, Mikey Anderson, Bjornfoot, Doughty, Forbert, Hutton, Ledoux, McDermott, uh, Martinez, Roy, mm -hmm. uh, Ryan, Walker. And even if you cross off Forbert because he's injured and he he's could, probably going to start the season on IR. You know, he definitely is going to, I'm telling you, he's definitely going to start yeah. the season on IR. And, yeah. and he could be out for an extended period of time, as I understand things. But even mm -hmm. if you cross him off, you're still looking at too many guys. So only three players out of this group, uh, DB, Mikey mm -hmm. Anderson, Bjornfoot, right. McDermott, Roy and Walker. Only three of those five guys will make it. The other spots are already Correct. secured on the team. Right. So of those five, I'm going to say McDermott makes it. Um, I think that that Walker is going to make it, mm -hmm. and I think that uh, Bjornfoot will probably make it wow. to play a couple of games. I yeah. don't think he's going to stay the season. I think you give him. A so couple you don't of think games. he's going to? You think he's going to get? Less than nine, then yes, not burn and, the entry and level and go the, back. Exactly, and that's yep. the other part. I want to get your three out of that five, but just real quickly, that's the other part of the contracts that people need to understand is that if a player like a Bjornfoot plays less than 10 games in the regular season, so if he plays nine games and then goes right. back to Sweden, his contract, it's called sliding. His contract slides. slides to the next so in season. other words, his right. three-year entry-level deal doesn't begin until next year. So well, you why, hope he would be on the team. Sure. So why why do you want to burn one year off of his entry-level deal? I don't care how good he is. Forget the fact he's 18 years old. Why would you want to burn a year off of his entry-level deal, which is doesn't cost a lot of money? Entry-level deals are very cheap. They're less than a million dollars a year. At that, why would you want to burn that yeah. year now and then only have two years left on a cheap deal, knowing that you would have to sign him to a bigger money, potentially a bridge deal, but still a bigger money contract? Sooner, no, you'd want the contract to slide. Don't let the three-year entry-level deal start until next year. Mm -hmm. That's why I think that you won't see him here for the whole year. But of those five players I named, three will make the team DB. Mikey Anderson, Bjornfoot, McDermott, Roy, Walker. Which three do you think are going to make the team? Or do you know yet? You don't have to know yet. Why isn't Paul Ledoux on that list? Uh, because Paul Ledoux is already on the list. You think he's going to make the team? Oh, yeah, Paul, Paul Ledoux makes the roster. Yeah, I think Paul Ledoux is there. You're going to have um, Ledoux, Martinez, um, Hutton, and uh, Dowdy. Those guys have already made the team. Okay. <laughs> and, and Ryan. Ryan, okay. 
We'll see. Okay, well, Paul Ledoux could end up on waivers. But That's what, what I'm saying. Okay. Well, why would you why would you waste that asset? Here's the thing: you don't have to waste that asset. Why would you waste it? And just to keep a kid, all those guys can go to Ontario. I get that. Send Roy and Walker. Send them down to Ontario and let them start the year, or, and then try to find a way yeah, to trade Ledoux the, yeah. when somebody gets injured. Get it, trade Ledoux for a fifth round N- pick. New regime, clean slate. Okay. Uh, I'm. I would he, send a message. He okay. has to bet be the one of the best seven defensemen on the order eight. I don't think he is. To be frank with you, he looks out of place there. Okay, he, he didn't look good. With, I'm not granted. He played with McDermott. I think he's at risk. To be honest with you, because I don't think I don't think the GM cares. I don't think the coach cares mm-hmm. at this point in time. I don't think because I don't see the value for the asset, John. And I get your point. Like not losing for nothing, and the other guys can go down. I guess. But when I watch the player play. Uh, I'd rather give somebody else the chance. Well, I'll tell you this, though. That would be an advantage. I mean, while you're giving up the asset on one hand, one advantage of him being claimed by another team would that it would free up a contract. Correct. Because the Kings are up against it when you come to the 50 contracts. Mm -hmm. And I I think here's the interesting part of that. I think that that is going to potentially impact them when it comes to the recruitment of uh, college free agents next spring. spring now, time. hopefully mm-hmm. they will have dealt some of these veteran right. players exactly. and created some spots, but to the extent that they're not able to do that, that will limit their ability sure. to be able to offer, offer UFA contracts because there would be all of these other draft picks that they haven't signed yet that they'll want to sign to their entry-level deals next year. Yeah. Now, th- some of them could slide. It gets a little bit more technical than that. But right. But it would be a shame to move out, lose out on the next Blake Lazard or someone like that Yes. Uh, with respect to that. So, and look, credit to Mike Fuda because he's the one that found him up there and when St. He's a St. Cloud guy, correct? St. Cloud yeah. guy. Yeah, and so Mike, Mike, you know, beat the bushes, found this guy. And obviously, that was a hotbed for the Kings for a while now, but uh, credit to Fuda for, for going up there and uh, seeking this guy out because he's really been, a, as we mentioned in the first period, he's been a really uh, a revelation for this team so far. Well, there, there's another contract, though, that, that I think is potentially going to come off the books, and that's Cole Keller. Um, mm-hmm. He's one of their depth goaltenders. Uh, and and he is um, a guy who is probably going to be in the ECHL this year. They're going to have an affiliation agreement with uh, Fort Wayne, as I've mentioned a couple times. I right. think you'll see Keller there, and uh, I just think that that's a contract. He's on an entry-level deal that uh, is going to expire at the end of the year, and I don't think they're going to end up re-signing him. They still have to get Jacob Ingham uh, next year signed to a contract, and then Perrick's coming in. And you tweeted about the depth this organization now has in net. It's, it's really depthful. It's really qual and it's quality as well, and you're still saying that uh, John Quick's going to be the star in the opener, home opener. I well, I think that you have to start quick in the home opener. Yeah, we were having that debate the other day. I think you have to start quick in the home opener, but the problem is they play those three games to start the season, mm-hmm. and so you're going to end up with uh, in one back to back. So you're going to yeah. end up with you know even if Quick started game one, he's not going to get all three games. Correct. Right. So Quick's at the most Quick is going to get two games, but if you feel that Jack Campbell has outplayed him. Could you conceivably see Jack Campbell getting two of the first three games? Yeah, again, because it's Todd McClellan, and Todd's not standing on ceremony here. I don't think he cares, to be honest with you. He's going to get the best goaltender out there. And Jack's been great. And tonight, Cal Peterson, we didn't even mention, he looked solid. Again, that's again. you look at the organizational depth this team has in net, um, and it gives the ability that when the time comes, when you want to trade Jonathan Quick, you can certainly rely on Jack and Cal, and what's behind them as well. So it's, it's really, a, a really a strength of this organization at this point. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. And now the Zamboni is coming out here in the third period. This is just fantastic. Third we period. record at an arena, John. Well, that's, it, it is what happens. Um, among the forwards, you're going to get one or two of these guys, DB, yep. making the final uh, roster. It's going to be either Jared Anderson Dolan, Mario Kempe, Kapari, uh, 
Lazat or uh, Perkorkin, you get two maybe, but more than likely, only one of those players, Jod, Mario, Kapari, Lazat, or Porky, is going to make the final roster. You're, you're going with Lazat, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, well, Kempe is going to go down. Uh, I can't see Kempe making the team. Martin Frick just go, got put on waivers. He would have to go on waivers. Yeah, he, well, but Martin Frick is going to go on waivers, and he's going to probably be in Ontario as well. Um, so... Um, that's a tough one. I'd like to see Lazat get rewarded, and he's played better than Anderson Dolan, but Anderson Dolan is a second-round pick, and they think the world of this player, and he's a future leader on the team, so maybe that's it. Maybe you try to get – is Lazat – is he waiver-exempt? Yes. Okay, so that, that I would probably, for, because of the pedigree – I'd probably want to have an Anderson Dolan. Plus, Lazat's a small guy. It's it's tough to think that a, a guy that size is going to play 82 games and make a significant tra- contribution. So maybe your reward, Jad, uh, give him the, you know maybe first 20 games, and if he's not producing, then bring up Lazat because I think Lazat is here to stay. See, I think it's the other way around, DB. I you think do? that Laz- I think that you have to reward hustle and effort and what Lazat's brought to camp so far. I think that you mm-hmm. let him. Uh, you reward him and let him start the season. There's yeah. nothing wrong with Anderson Dolan starting the year in the American no, League. That no. was the plan all along. And let him play top-line minutes. He's going to be the number one center there. Probably yeah. play a lot with Kapari, and they could flip him back and forth, center and wing between those two players. Uh, you, back to Lozato real quickly. You did mention earlier giving credit to Mike Fuda, of course, who deserves a lot of credit for a lot of the players in the organization. But uh, we'd be remiss to not give Brooks some of the... Uh, uh, some of the credit as well. One of their yep. one of their college scouts, who mm-hmm. really I think did a lot of the work, from what I understand, to get uh, to get Lazat under contract. Yeah. Um, so so you're going though with Jod. I'm going with Lazat. I think that's a little bit of a difference there. Mm-hmm. Just look at that defense though. You talk about that list of defensemen we mentioned earlier. Yeah. You still down in Ontario have Brickley. You have Clegg. You have Jersey. Yeah. Um, you have uh, Marcus Phillips who turned pro this year. You also have Strand. I mean, that defense in Ontario is going to be so stacked. And whoever of those five defensemen that we mentioned earlier don't make it in L.A., they're going to end That's up down there. That's a solid contingent. So, you know, fans, when you're, when the team is struggling in November, December, like maybe you want to get out on the 10 and, and go to an Ontario rain game to see I, that team because that team is going to be really sharp. It's going to be exciting to watch. Think about this, DB. That yeah. defense is so stacked. Daniel Brickley could be a healthy scratch yep. on opening night in Ontario. Yep. That is insane to think about. Yep. I mean, just trying to process that one. Yep. Um, DB, final two games here. Uh, what have you learned? So, or, or what would you like to learn over the final two games of the the preseason? Um, I'd like to see the final game in Vegas, like the varsity. I, I'd like to see one varsity game have them have their starters go in and play, or they want to do it against Anaheim. I want to see the, the legit opening night roster. That's what I've heard. I've heard that the plan is to play the basically the majority of the, the roster, if not all of the roster that you're going to see on opening night. That's mm-hmm. the plan for Vegas. Yeah. There might be one or two exceptions, especially if they haven't decided yet on Bjornfoot or Lazad or some of yeah. these kids, but it's going to be the, the, the bulk of it, from what I understand, it's supposed to be the, the varsity. I want to see that. And, and, John, at the very end of the game, you and I mentioned that, you looked at the bench, and granted, it's a preseason game. There's not a lot of pressure on, but you saw Kopitar laughing and McClellan laughing and Dustin Brown with his smirk and stuff like that. You could see this chemistry. that They like this coach. Like, they, they wanted to be pushed and tested and yelled at, and Todd's losing his voice every day from screaming at these guys because he's trying to put in structure in a new system. But you could see the chemistry, and you could see that they, the will and the, the want to play for this coach, and he's an accomplished coach, and he's been around the block. I get all those things. But when it's those little things, John. It's to see that I'm going, you, when's the last time you saw that? You, you never really saw it here for a very long time, <laughs> even with Daryl. 
in the best of times, you know, they, we wasn't the most well-liked guy. But And not that the coach has to be well-liked, John, but coming off of last season, it's good to have Smalls. It's good to have less. To me, that's very, very impressive. And, yeah, I'm a big-time cheerleader for Todd McClellan from the day he was hired till today and probably till the last day he coaches here. And I think at, at some point in time, they give him the, the horses, he can win a championship here. But just to see that little, that little snippet of humor on the bench, a little bit of frivolity, to me that goes a long way saying, okay, they got the right guy here. These players are going to be motivated and want to play for this. And when it's tough and he busts their asses because they didn't play well, they're going to accept it and process it and be better players for it. So that's the one takeaway that I could around is that they – it's just another reinforcement that, that Rob Blake best move in his – Two seasons here running the, the organization is hiring Todd McClellan as coach. Well, you mentioned it during the Ben Hutton segment on the on the last episode that you love I told you so moments. Yes. Go back to the tweet uh, less than 24 hours after Todd McClellan was fired in, San yeah, Jose, or, you, you me, got- in Edmonton. I said, that's the guy. That's the coach that the L.A. Kings need. I believed it then. I believed it the entire season of last year uh, as, as everybody waited to get to the finish line of, yeah. of Todd finally signing. And then three weeks before he signed, I told everyone he you, was going to sign here. You, you <laughs> did, absolutely, even when he was off doing his courting trip to, uh, to Buffalo. No. But the point is that Todd yeah. McClellan is the yeah. perfect coach and I, right for now. this team at this time. And Agreed, I think John. it was such a difficult hire. Not he was a difficult hire. It was a difficult spec because you had to – you don't see this the majority of the time in the NHL. You either see a veteran-laden team that Agreed. is on the cusp of winning um, and they need that that final push, or you see that really young team like, where you can graduate somebody from, An- from, from Anaheim, graduate somebody from the American League, and they can, the coach can grow with the players. Yeah. This was that weird, odd situation where the coach needed to be the perfect blend of demanding and commanding the respect and you know of the veterans, but yet also having the soft enough hand to yeah. be able to coach and teach the younger kids. It's not a situation that Chicago had way back in the day where they had Taves and Kane no. and Seabrook and Bufflin um, and uh, and Keith, you know, being for- in their formative years. This is a situation where you have a core, where you have accomplished players who've won championships, and you need to walk the line. So you needed that respect in the room, but you needed a teacher as well. You see, t- here's the thing with Todd. He's out on the ice teaching every practice. That's what he does. He's a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. He's an accomplished coach. He gets the respect of uh, uh, – he gets people's attention. But he is a teacher, and, he ne- and this team – Definitely need to teach. They needed to overhaul and revamp all the systems they had last season, even going back to the John Stevens days. They needed a fresh look and approach. And I mentioned earlier in the podcast about the approach and their their um, uh, the vigor that they play early in games. I just think that's a, a an offshoot of Todd's new system. So I agree with you, John. They could and look for timing. If they had waited a couple of weeks, Todd would have been a coach last season, and they would have been a little farther ahead of the curve at this point. In you time. know what, though, I disagree. I Go think ahead. things played out perfectly because we'll I think see. that it could have been the worst situation. It's easy to say, oh, wow, look at that. If they would have waited two more weeks, they could have yeah, hired McClellan. Yeah, could have, would have, should have. You're right. Oh, no. What if they would have hired McClellan and then finished, you know, two points and out not of the get playoff Tur- spot. And not get Turcotte. And they didn't get Turcotte. Right. Or and, Bjorn Foot. And because right. then, you know, where you finish not only Agreed. for Turcotte, but yeah. then the whole rest of the draft falls that way. Yeah. So things happen for a reason. They Agreed. needed a top five pick last year. They need another top five pick this year. You told me earlier tonight the official over-under 73 and a half or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would have said it at 77 because that's sort of where I think the, the sweet spot is. So I guess on 73 and a half, I'll take, the I'll take the over. But if you have 77, I'm going to take the under. So, I mean, that's a very <laughs> narrow window. That's a narrow window. But like, look, I wrote a story, a different kind of suck, right? They, they may not, the, the point total may fantastic, not be better. Fantastic headline, the, by the way. Right? The point total may not be appreciably better. This team will be appreciably yes. be better at the end of the season. They'll be better for it. Because, you know, uh, good, look, I look at that defense and I look at opening night or the opening weekend and they're playing Nashville and Vegas. 
we're going to find out about that defense like real fast. Um, and that's the issue. But again, once they go through 82 games with, with Todd, I don't expect them to be a playoff team. They will be much better for it. And then you, again, you get into the draft. You get maybe play a little bit in free agency. But uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm excited about the season because of the youth and because of the guy behind the bench. All right, DB, another fantastic hour of Kings of the Podcast. Thank you to Earl Skakel coming in from Inappropriate Earl, teeing us off in the second period. That was fantastic, DB, and uh, it's always fun to sit alongside you and to, and to chat hockey for an hour. And thanks to the fans again. Again, the response to this podcast has been something that's really been overwhelming. I look at the numbers every day. It's been fantastic. All the major um, platforms, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, um, Google Podcasts, um, and, and the like. And Christian Rutu, we know that you're listening as well. So, uh, hello. Thank you for listening. And uh, we look forward to talking more about you in future episodes. John, everyone's listening. That is true. Everyone's listening. And thanks, everybody. We'll get you uh, for episode six very soon. It's time for some straight talk. Tax returns could look a little different this year. So when the big carriers start trying to get you to splurge on the latest nonsense, just tune it out. With Straight Talk Wireless, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for just $199. Plus, get our unlimited plan with no contract on America's best networks for up to 50% less. Tune out the nonsense. Tune into Straight Talk Wireless. Straight Talk Wireless, available at Walmart and Walmart.com. Savings may vary. See straighttalk.com.